0: Support the Dope Radio was designed to give a platform to the best, most talented, and dopest music creators, enhancers, and magic makers to tell their own stories in their own words. The guests on the show are well-documented as integral parts of the success of your favorite artists and songs. I'm your host, Carla D. Brown, and I'm pulling back the curtain to bring them center stage under their very own spotlight. Let's go.
1: Okay. See me. I've been
0: gone too long, coming back too strong. And you better be, if I got a brand new song. I take the best you know and put them on the show. I'm on a mission to support the dope. So get your hands, hands up high, wave them in the sky. You gotta keep it locked, I'ma tell you why. The best in the game, remember the name. Ask me again, I'ma tell you the same, the same. Support the dope, if you a real one. Support the dope, if you a thing, Support the dope. I have real Support the dope, babe. It's just why are you throw me out? See, now
2: I gotta laugh before I start.
1: Before <laughs> <laughs> well, you start,
2: baby? You happy?
0: This is always my problem. Tell people like, don't get me like giggling before it's dark. and then I gotta get it all out before I. No
2: wrong with giggling, unless your giggle is ugly. <gasps> yeah, a giggle that would be all bad. Like, whoa! Don't make her laugh. <laughs> do not make her laugh. Whatever you do.
0: Anyways, we're gonna start the show. <laughs> this is <isn't> my show. <laughs> this is support the dope radio. I'm your girl CB, your host. Um, some of y'all tuning into this episode in particular might know me as Body Roll shout out if you know you know if you don't know you don't need to know you know one of those. <laughs> i am going to kick it off by actually you guys know i like to put people on i like to share music sharing music is a love language if you will. Um, yeah. but I also like to introduce people to other people and connect dots and, you know, support the dope, so to speak, you know. So for this guest, I'm gonna start by running off some credits because I I feel like people don't know. I talk about this guy all the time because he's my friend. He's my friend, he's my brother. he's not my biological brother, but he's my brother. Um, shout out to my biological brother because his name's Eric too. But I <laughs> but this I one Yeah, my biological brother's name is Eric. Uh, He likes to sing, too. I'll have to let you hear him one day. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to start out by by running it up, basically. Let me get my scroll. Let me roll
1: roll out my
0: scroll. It's the
1: uncomfortable
2: for me.
0: I know, I know you don't like it, but they they gotta know because every time I talk about you and someone don't know, I'd be like, "Well, let me tell you. Hold on, let me get this girl, and read you some of these credits because I feel like they should know." Okay, so let's
1: <clears throat>
0: <laughs> Tyrese, how are you gonna act like that? Better than sex. Tank, heartbreaker, wedding song. Brian McKnight, shoulda woulda coulda. Maya, my love is like. Whoa. Chris Brown, your man ain't me. I wanna be. Avant, four minutes, sailing when it hurts. Monica, sideline ho. My everything. Mary, Mary, get up. Christina Aguilera, come on over, baby. Ruben stuttered sorry 2004, the walls group. My life, and you don't stop. I need you. I will. Dave Hollister, Baby, do those things. Music Soul Child, Today. Love of My Life. William Demps, all right. Um, there's a new song, like new, new song by Kirk Franklin that you'll hear Eric on. Like released just like a few days, a couple weeks ago. It's 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 fresh out the kitchen. It's hot. Try Love. Um, he's all over Kira Shear's new album. Um, he, you hear him on a lot of Gene Moore. Uh, he's everywhere pretty much. Um, I even was listening to Erica Campbell, I Love God, one day, and I have listened to that song so often, and all of a sudden, I was listening to it in my car one day, and I was like, is that Eric? So,
1: it, maybe. Without,
0: maybe it was. <laughs> without any further ado, I'm introducing to you, presenting to you, uh, singer, songwriter, Producer, vocal producer, arranger, background vocalist, um, living legend, if you will, Mr. Eric Dawkins. All that, all of that stuff, because because Eric will never, Eric will never do that in real life, like for himself. No. Eric is probably one of the most, like, not I'm not a, a flexer at
2: all. Like I don't at all
0: at all. That's why we gotta do it for you, because you wanna do it. Which is, which is amazing. The, the ratio between talent and humility is crazy. Because Eric, can t- pretty much out sing to anybody I know, he won't tell you that. He's just, he just gonna pull up. <laughs> when he starts, you just gonna get it. And you're just gonna have to submit. You know, that's just, it is what it is. He's like one of those, like, silent <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna stop. I would yeah, so but Eric, no, Eric knows though. I'll fight over Eric Dawkins. Eric knows. But Eric, don't you remember when Clubhouse was really popular?
2: Yeah, and we a guy said um, and yeah, I remember. That was funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, for people that weren't there, you know, Clubhouse was really popular, especially during like COVID when everyone was at home in the house board boarding house and house board however you said and yep. people would spend hours and hours in clubhouse mm-hmm. it was like a dark hole you go into one of these rooms mm-hmm. and you just end up falling down this rabbit hole and you know you might leave that room and go to a whole another room everyone's like what's the next room you know people go on to the next room <laughs> what and, doing what's the next I'm room afraid.
2: it's four o'clock in the morning. <laughs>
0: Especially with the time zone difference, because let me tell you, y'all people on the West Coast were killing me on the East Coast because it was rough. But we were in this wonder, I can't remember what the rumors about, um, I don't know, I think the conversation was about Chris Brown. And I think someone was kind of, kind of, you know questioning whether or not he he was qualified yes he was a singer you know and and eric tried to eric his work with chris brown so eric was you know sharing some of his you know what he knew his experience and there's this guy in the room just didn't he didn't read the room and you know he was being real disrespectful in general period like because you just can't be that disrespectful with anybody you know but then he He's not respecting who Eric is and why he's even saying what he's saying. And he has his firsthand knowledge and this guy didn't. So, you know, I'm very protective of my friends and Eric is my friend. I just told you all this, my friend, my brother, you know, all that good stuff. So I kind of went in and I kind of just kept going. And I don't know. It was like I blacked out. <laughs> it's, it took Eric to be like, Carla. But I was
2: like, I'm okay. down. I'm back. I'm back. He, did, he, he didn't know. He don't know. <laughs> <laughs> give him a pass.
0: So yeah, he definitely didn't know, but I think he he found out that day. Oh yeah, he he, he learned that day. Yes. So I, day. I'm that friend. Don't do my friend. Don't don't play with me in my face, friend of my, You know about my friends. In any case, that was an introduction. <clears throat> it
1: was.
0: <laughs> but this is what it's gonna be. This is what it's gonna be. You know, this is how, this is how it is when I introduce my friends because there's gonna be some some tangents some topic adjacent you know things
1: you know i'll try to,
0: i'll try to keep it on the straight and narrow as best i can
1: Good you know luck. <laughs> <Right. laughs>
0: so let's start so you live in la now and you've lived in la
2: quite I've, some time. Been, I've been in la since 96 97-ish. so yeah so Almost. tell everybody
0: where you're where you're originally from
2: all right, so it started off when um, my parents got married. They, um, they're both from Kansas, so they moved to Iowa, Davenport, Iowa. That's where I'm from. It's my birthplace. I was born at St. Luke's Hospital in Davenport, Iowa. Um, when, I turned, when I was about to turn five, we moved to Columbia, Tennessee, where my dad got his first church. The late Bishop Roy C Dawkins was a pastor. i a PK, so he got his first church in Columbia, Tennessee. We were there from seventy four to like eighty five, and then we moved to Ohio, a, a town called Steubenville, Ohio, which is kind of home base. So I was there from like sixteen till I turned twenty one, I think. And then I moved to um. I moved to Detroit from there because me and my brother started um, touring and playing in the band with Commission. Um, So I moved to Detroit so I wouldn't have to drive back and forth. And then around 96, I decided to leave Detroit and head out west to California, which is where I've been ever since.
0: And what was it about California that made you get there and settle and just, you know, never look back? Oh, I was I was
2: trying to get away from my ex-wife.
0: And... Oh, okay. Well, that thing, that sums it up.
2: Yeah. Hey, I ain't not even go with you. That was like, I need That's... to get away from here or I may never get away from you. Got it. <laughs> just, it was, the timing was, was cool. I mean, all jokes aside, I, I did, you know, me and my ex-wife we were going through, we were, a separation, and I figured the best thing for me to do was to get as far away from the the toxic environment that was my first marriage, and go somewhere where I know I could um, potentially thrive in doing what I what I did um, as far as music is concerned, and um, a couple of well, a mutual friend of mine we moved out there together and he we started a production company. And so it was, when I got there, it was like, no, no coming back. We, we in this, like, we are part of the music industry in LA. And, uh, yeah, it just made sense. I never looked back.
0: Yeah. Well, it's worked out for you. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, yeah. so very early on, you mentioned, um, you and your brother, um, Anson, shout out to a doc,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: you were playing in a band with Commission. Um,
1: yeah.
0: During that time when you were playing the band, did you know that Commission was going to be the um, influence that it was like on so many, so many of our artists um, kind of even laid the foundation for a lot of what we know now? Um, was it ever an idea to you at that point? Or is it kind of just like, well, this is where we're here now and this is what we're going to do?
2: In hindsight, I can see where, um, you know, we we were influenced by commission as young, aspiring songwriter, producers, artists. So it would only make sense that a lot of people were, you know, had the same ideas or or felt the same way about Commission. We started finding it out, you know, as we started touring with Commission and meeting different people in the industry that really looked up to Commission. I didn't really find out how in depth the, um, the admiration and influence was until I got, you know, deeper into the, the secular industry myself as a songwriting producer. And meeting people that said commission was was everything. Like they mentioned the windings, but it was it was something different when they said commission because commission it lended itself more to the the R and B type vibe um, that a lot of um, R and B groups kind of patterned themselves after. And uh, again, so after meeting a lot of them, cats like Joe to see and. um, Boys to Men, Guy, Teddy Riley, Guy, um, Usher, like all these guys that would say that Commission was big influence on them, and in the same breath, a lot of them would say that Dawkins and Dawkins was that same influence, and it made sense because we we were kind of birthed out of Commission, we had our own thing, but because we toured with them and our sound was Kind of you know patterned after me, because I tell people all the time Fred Fred Hammond is in large probably responsible for I would say almost ninety percent of what I do you know as a song Dis- discover,
0: discover Dawkins and Dawkins
2: yeah as a songwriter like I patterned myself after you know him vocally um the way I did arrangements uh, harmonies all that kind of stuff you know, I tried to sound like Fred for the longest. Um, but yeah, it it made a lot of sense that a lot of people were influenced by them. Didn't know that at the time, because, you know, right. it's hard it's hard to see something that you're a part of from the outside, so. Mm-hmm. You know, after we had gotten out of commission, just listened to the people.
0: Yeah. How long um, were you touring with commission?
2: We toured with commission from, like, 90, 91, to, like, Around ninety four ish, so we were, we were touring with them for a while. Right before I left, right before I left L.A., I mean, right before I left Detroit, mm-hmm. um, we had stopped touring with them. I started doing stage plays, so we weren't touring with them anymore. We were working on our second project, um, outside of commission. So, yeah, for about about three four years.
0: hmm So when Dawkins and Dawkins started doing their own thing. Um, I know that there had to be, because I'm l- I'm a little younger, you know. Okay, I'm not that I'm not that young, but I <laughs> don't do that. Whatever they can't see you on audio, so now
2: <laughs> Don't make that make. Like, <laughs> like.
0: Anyways, and Dawkins and Dawkins was considered to be a um fairly progressive group that were kind of uh, breaking the rules. Of gospel music um, that a lot of people in times haven't changed. You know, people in the church often have issues with people doing things that they're not used to or they're not familiar with. Um, How was that for you and Anson uh, when you were really just trying to do what you feel like you loved, what you were called to do, um, to get that kind of pushback? How did that feel for you at the time? Um, And how do you feel it affected? Um, your your career path.
1: It's
2: it was it was frustrating at times, but it it never discouraged us because we just <laughs> kept doing what we do. Like it was more we were more frustrated with people that just didn't get the fact that just because it doesn't sound like James Cleveland or Mighty Clouds of Joy or some traditional gospel doesn't mean that it's not gospel. The word gospel means good news. Like we're saying about good news, spreading good news. So that part was, I think the most frustrating thing for us, but we were just kind of like, we adopted the, you know, whoever's supposed to get it, will get it, you know, and we just kept doing what we did unapologetically, you know, felt good to us, then it was, it was okay. You know, and we had the support of our parents, so we didn't really, we weren't really influenced by what, you know, people would say or, or their opinion of what we were doing or the sound. And we know that trailblazers don't, it's not, as, being a trailblazer is not a glamorous title. It's not a not a title that you can always brag about.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
2: People can call you that and it'd be a, a positive Spin, but you know, uh, identifying yourself as a trailblazer, you have to also, you know, tell the, the, the ugly part of it. Like, yeah, we, we had to like bust down some doors. So people that were coming after us didn't have to go through the same, the same, um, issues that we had to go through. So, um, we
1: could
2: call us trailblazers. was like, okay, we'll, we'll be that. It wasn't fun all the time, but we just love what we do. So, And that's another reason why we, we didn't, we weren't bound to releasing a project every other year, like, you know, two, every two, three years, like most artists do. Mm -hmm. The distance between our, our second and third project was four years. And the distance between the third and, uh, fourth project was
1: hmm, yeah.
2: 13 years. Right? Yeah. 98 to. I was going to say at least 10. 11. Yeah, it was 13 years, 2011. So, um and even from that 2011 to the last one that came out in 2021. So, we, 10 years. Yeah. We just do it when we get, when we're led, when we feel led to do it yeah so we 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 were different we never did it for the money or, or trying to get famous or rich or anything like that. It was just that we loved doing it. Yeah. course, we want to put it out in a way where it's not just gonna you know be pushed to the side. We want as many people to hear it as possible, but we're not so so hung up on the awards or getting the recognition. Or you know, being in being at the table with you know with the the heavy hitters,
1: we don't that's not important to us at all.
0: So fast forward, you know, after a good chunk of those first early years of Dawkins Dawkins to like ninety eight ish around there. And you get Kirk Franklin. You get Mary Mary, um trailblazing doesn't feel good in the moment um, because you're going through whatever pushback and naysayers um, how does it feel to then have people that come later that essentially are doing it because you paved that way
1: i mean it's it's a good feeling
2: it's a good feeling we oftentimes people would they would say stuff like man y'all should be way bigger than y'all are you know y'all underrated Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know
2: Mary Mary doing what y'all were doing, you know, six, seven years ago and then they come out and they blow up. Like we don't we don't look at it like that. It's not you know, God's timing is everything for us and and the fact that we were doing what we were doing when we did it, it just made it that much easier. And and people like Mary Mary, they still had you know, they still had an uphill climb you know, coming out, doing what they did. They
0: just, they had a
2: a much larger machine behind them doing what they did, uh, coming out. Warren, you know, one of my best friends, he's a powerhouse producer and he had, he was connected to pretty much everybody. So having that type of stuff can absolutely help in the same token. Um, But again, we were never really, that wasn't our thing, to like go out and try to be the the most popular gospel artists or anything like that. And I don't think that I'm not saying that that was you know Mary Mary's idea either. They they do because we love to do it. They just happened to you know God decided, boom, y'all gonna be this is gonna happen for y'all. You know we support support them. They're like our sisters, so. Um, When people say stuff like that, it kind of it more it upsets me more than than anything that that they would try to twist it like that. Um, But outside of that, you know, it definitely feels good because they even give, you know, they give credit because we we met them before they were Mary Mary. Matter of fact, um, fun fact, I, I had the opportunity to hire Erica and Tina or get them hired for a stage play that I was, I was um the vocal producer for. Um They came and auditioned and I told the playwright, like I gotta have them. Like they, we, these two sisters are cold. We need them in the play. Mm-hmm. So they ended up, we ended up touring, doing a couple of plays together Um, before they even did, before Mary Mary was even formed. Like I'm credited for introducing Warren and Erica
1: so yeah do you know that
2: yeah little little fun facts
0: fun fact shout out to mary mary and shout out to warren because warren was on support the dope radio just a couple episodes ago so y'all know about him you didn't know about him before you know about him now How about that um so you mentioned being a pk um growing up as you did um in a uh church structured is that a good way to say it church structured households (laughs) um how is it do you feel that you still turned out being i mean not that you're like a straight-up heathen i'm not saying that but how how is it that you um Mm -hmm. ended up having a (laughs) end up having a career so you know well-versed in both gospel and um as you know some people call call it secular music how because you you didn't really grow up listening to um secular music in your house
2: you know i made a decision early on in in my my gospel artist career that gospel wasn't going to support me the way i needed to be supported it mm. wasn't going to it wasn't going to support the type of lifestyle that I, I saw me having, you know, I wanted the, you know, the nice car, the nice house. The-
0: Y'all see these sunglasses.
1: <laughs> the nice,
0: the nice-
2: <laughs> I wanted all that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause I, I mean, growing up in the, the household that we grew up in, we, we never thought we were poor, but we never, we didn't think we were rich either. Right, you know what I'm saying, um, and we saw our dad work, like work hard to support the family. Like my mom, I I think I remember a total of two jobs that she ever had in my life. Like mm-hmm. we were you know, we were still in like grade school. She worked at a bank in Tennessee, and then she worked as um, she worked in the administration office for this community college that was in in Tennessee where we live. Outside of that, she, once we moved from there, she, never had, she hasn't had any jobs, you know, she hasn't had to have any jobs. So I just saw my dad support our family and provide, and I didn't really want to work as hard as he did, you know? So fortunately I ended up in a, a career, doing something that I love to do that just happens to be a lucrative career. Like I I make a living to support my family and um, I love what I do. So it's not like
1: work. Uh,
2: But I made a decision since, since I figured gospel wasn't going to support me like that. I just decided to move into, you know, the area of writing and producing
1: um,
2: out here in LA. And I think it's one of the best decisions I ever made, so the people that that would have a problem you know, how are you gonna sing gospel and write secular music like this is my occupation like right? i don't I don't mix the two my salvation and my occupation are two different things
1: like, mm-hmm. I don't let
2: my occupation um tap dance on my salvation though like it's not that I have a line you know there's certain things that I will not do. Certain things I won't say, um, or certain things I don't want to be attached to or, or associated with. So I've I've used a gauge that I use all these years, and it's it's worked for me. And um, you know, I've had fun. It's been a, it's been a, a nice ride, and it's still a nice ride. Like I still I still love doing it. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't be caring what people say about my youth. Like artist, but he sings or does secular, and I actually sing secular too. Like, I have a a solo, a separate solo. I don't even want to call it a career because I haven't really done a whole lot as far as the performance part of it. But,
0: but you give us little gifts every now and then,
2: every now and then, just let people know, like, yeah, I do. There is another side of me that Eric Dion is is, is my alter ego. Mm -hmm. but um, I don't have a problem with it. My dad supported me when I talked to him about making that making that switch to do um, secondary music or to do R and B as an R and B artist. Um, he gave me his full support. The pastor that I was under at the time, Noel Jones, he gave me his support, and my brother gave me his support. So at that point, it didn't matter what anybody said. You know, something that I I kind of juggle here and there. So. <laughs>
0: So what was your first opportunity to do um, something secular?
2: Um, It was a song that nobody probably ever heard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or they they might have. It's uh, me and the guy that I moved out here with. His name is Chaka Blackman. Um, We ended up writing a song, like a wedding song, for a group some you may have heard of called Brownstone back in the day. And we know
0: Brownstone,
2: and this other guy group called Solo.
0: We know Solo uh, too. Well, I know Solo.
2: So we did a, a song. It was a, a a duet between those two groups, and um that was like the first the first secular thing that I did. You know, from there, just kind of blossom into other things. Um But yeah, that was that was the first thing.
0: When did you know that? I mean, I know that you always wanted to do this, but when did you first know that this is this is going to be like a fruitful career? Like this, I can actually this is this could be sustainable.
2: Uh, it's a kind of a funny story. Like I, you know, I wasn't making a whole lot of money, but you know, and I was a part of a production company where we had to split things three ways and sometimes four ways because there was another friend of ours that would do stuff with us from time to time. Um, and then we had a manager, and then we had a business manager. So I would be getting cut, and so we'd get little pieces. But fast forward to the first thing I did on like a, a major artist was the Christina Aguilera thing. Um, I started vocal producing for her. The first thing we did was to come on over, um, and then we did the Christmas record, which we made a little bit of money off. It wasn't a whole lot, but then she from us working on her Christmas project, she wanted me to do her vocal production for the Stripped project. Um, so I ended up vocal producing, didn't write anything on that record, but vocal produced like eight eight or nine songs. And just the the advance that I got from that, I looked at the check like, oh, oh this, this could absolutely be my life. Like, I I can
1: <laughs> I can get
2: used to this. We can make this work. We can make this work. And <laughs> I think it was it was even solidified even more when I got my first royalty check from the Christina Aguilera project that uh, that I'd worked on. It was a combination of come on over and the Christmas project and um, the majority, probably ninety percent of it was from the stripped project. And the check—it made me laugh. It—it was that big that it made me laugh. I had never gotten a check.
0: Because what else do you do when you get a check that big?
2: You either gonna laugh or you gonna cry. (laughs) One of the two or both. Or both. Um. So from that point, I was like, "Yeah, this—this is what I'm gonna do." To the point where I was doing stage plays. I was doing Mm -hmm. stage plays, making making decent money every week. It was cash, so you know, always had. I always had cash on me. Um but when this happened, it it allowed me to make a decision that a lot of cats in my position probably wouldn't have made. I was um I was sought after by Dave Talbert, who's another playwright who ended up being a he's a great film director now. He's done a lot of stuff that everybody has seen. Um so he and Tyler Perry, at the same time, I was getting calls from both of them to to come out and do stage plays that they were, that they were um, involved in or, or, or writers of. And I turned them down, turned them both down, like, because I, and, and it was a life decision. It was a moment. It was definitely a fork in the road because I was like, I know. And Tyler Perry wasn't even who Tyler Perry is now, right? But he was, right. You know, you know, he's a big name, and him and Dave Tyler were both big names in the playwright in the, the stage play industry. So I knew if I got with either one of them, it would be lucrative, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to settle and establish myself as a songwriter producer the way I wanted to. So I made the decision. That I told them both, no, I can't do it, and. It was the right decision,
0: obviously. <laughs>
2: <'Cause> <laughs> shortly after that is when you know I started getting those big checks
1: mm-hmm. from
2: doing pop stuff you know, with mm-hmm. the Maya's and uh, Samantha Moomba uh, At the time, Eden's Crush, who was a, a pop star group, the TV show, so you know, I did a lot of stuff like that, and you know. Was still doing Dawkins and Dawkins. So I was from the 98 project, the need to know the focus project we toured not on a traditional tour, but we were, we probably worked 40 out of 52 weekends in the year off of that project for easily almost three years. So we were always gone. So I was doing Dawkins Mm -hmm. and Dawkins, still doing my, my uh production company thing and i'm still doing Christina Aguilera and then other stuff happened from there, the Ruben Stutter and then I ended up getting with the underdog. So it's just a lot of stuff happened all around the same time. Um so yeah it was it was a it was a good decision to stay stay put and not right. be touring all over the country where nobody could, you know, pin me down to do some, some studio work.
1: Mhm.
0: All right, so you mentioned, you mentioned your vocal production, and I feel like a lot of casual listeners of music don't really understand what a vocal producer does. Can you kind of break down for the people that don't, don't know what a vocal producer is um, in a way they can understand?
2: Okay, well, a vocal producer is responsible for making sure that Everything you hear vocally on a song is the best possible performance that it can be. Even singers that can really sing, I think they they sound even better when somebody is producing their vocals and they're not just left to do things themselves. Because I'm I'm a real stickler about stickler about somebody doing the same run over and over again, like the same Mm -hmm. lick over and over. So I I'll listen back. And if, if there are more than two of the same type of run, i will change it. Like, I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Let's think of another melody to do. Um, that type of stuff, um, uh, background vocals, like the arrangement of melodies, all that stuff falls under the vocal production umbrella. Um, and good vocal producers will make sure from the first note of the song to the finale note of the song, everything is perfect as perfect as it could be you know, without mm-hmm. it sounding you know manufactured or, or computerized um that's basically what i do like i i have to know i have to know uh a singer's voice enough to know that there's certain things that just don't sound good with them doing like every singer is not made to do every run like some some runs just don't compliment you know, some voices.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so for me, I try to make sure that I I pull stuff out of them that complements what they already
1: have um, uh, vocally and melodically. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned uh, when I was running through your scroll of credits, um, <laughs> Maya's uh, My Love is Like Whoa, and you're the vocal producer on that. Um, yeah. What are some of the things for that song that uh, were kind of really like highlights to you, or, or points that you really wanted to work on her with?
2: Ad libs, all her ad libs, mm-hmm. um, and she was she was great to work with. Um, all the ad libs you hear, I pretty much gave her every ad lib, like it, it, everything exactly. between the verses and the hooks and stuff. Or while she's singing the hook, or while the hook is being sung. The ad libs and stuff, I was like feeding them to her one by one, you know, line by line type of stuff like that. And some artists like that. Like I, have, I work with some mm-hmm. artists now that can really sing, and I try to get them to like just, just sing. Give me, give me like five tracks of of you just ad libbing. And some of them, they want, they want me to give them what to sing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna give you some stuff, but I need to hear what you would do naturally because at the end of the day, like when you get ready to sing it live. You might you might need to pull somewhere pull from somewhere other than what's on the record. Like depending on the energy of the crowd, what's on the record might not be enough. You might have to go a little further. So I need to hear what you can do to pull you know to pull it off. So, um, but yeah, it's just it's just a matter of I like to make singers that can even sing. I like to make them have to learn their songs. Mm. Like, I want I want to give them stuff that's so, that sounds so good to them that they practice it and want to do it just like the record. Yeah. So.
0: Because that's really what the audience is going to want to hear when they, they
2: wanna see hear it the live. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't. Don't come in and doing a totally different melody where it can't nobody sing along with you. Like that's not the. Yeah. right. Why are you doing that? Because
0: everybody has their part that they sing when exactly. they're in the shower or in the car, or whatever. When they're doing a karaoke, like they have that part in the song. And if you show up to a live show and you don't do their part,
2: you now, get no, tight. I do get. I do get. You know, some legacy artists that have been singing songs for twenty, thirty years. It's, it's, mm-hmm. At a point, you get bored singing the same way. Yeah. Right. And you want to do some different stuff. I I get that, but don't mm-hmm. don't let it be so far from the the melody of the song that can't be recognize it. If you were singing Not like, that color, right. like <laughs> that ain't nowhere close to the melody of what it's supposed to be. Right,
1: like, What's that, 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 know, that's the gonna, remix.
2: You ain't never gonna hear Frankie Beverly do anything other than
1: whoa whoa right
2: whoa, right. Whoa, right. Make happy. That's what it's gonna mm-hmm. be. Mm hmm. Ain't gonna come out. Whoa 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 whoa, <laughs> whoa 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 You make me happy. No, what are you doing? You ruined my childhood by doing that to It's
0: all over. You, know? you ruined it.
2: <laughs> you gotta keep the integrity. So I try to make right. I try to make sure people like even doing I do vocal what I call vocal guidance. I did um do some stuff for Nickelodeon right now with uh different artists that they signed, get them ready for live performances make sure they're singing you know the way they need to sing live Mm -hmm. outside of the studio so sometimes you know it's it's a matter of enhancing what they've already done in the studio giving them some parts to add to but not change what's already there it's gonna add some stuff to them, bring it up a little bit
0: so how do you how do you land um opportunity that you have like for something like a Nickelodeon, because we know that you you do work with kids and Nickelodeon Kitty Pop, you
2: know. <laughs> you know they. It's I've been fortunate enough to to not have to make those you know solicit work mm-hmm. from, from people. I'll get a call, or my manager will get a call, like yo, so someone so called and asked would you be interested in doing certain such? So, yeah, cool. You know, so I've been I've been pretty pretty fortunate.
1: Yeah. I
2: don't, I, and I don't even do it as much as I think I would like to do it. Cause some there's some people that I hear I'm like, man, I really wish I could get on that project. But they've they've either already got a team together, and I'm not I'm not a poacher. Like I'm not gonna try to take nobody's gig,
1: right,
2: or anything yeah. like that. I, although I believe, and it's not not even in a cocky, I believe that I could, you know, once once somebody hears. What what I do, and you know how I work with artists. I believe I could take somebody's gig, but that's just not that's not what I. I don't want to be that dude.
1: Got it. Yeah.
0: So, I think what some people aren't aware of um, is your work with the Masked Singer um, as a your your vocal producing for the Masked Singer. Is
2: that is that what your role was? I was one of the vocal coaches there usually there were usually three on set because there's a lot of people to work with. Um so I was one of the vocal coaches so different different people that would be on there um could be working with me or in either of the other two vocal coaches. and it's just more of the same, just making sure they they sound right for their performances, making sure the key was comfortable for them. Um, making sure they weren't singing anything that, wasn't, that was going to be too, too difficult for them,
1: mm-hmm. even
2: though some of them, you know, we like to push to kind of get them out of their comfort zone, or some of them we even had to try to get them to sing in a way that kind of disguised their voice, so people wouldn't oh, right. know who it was right mm-hmm. out the gate. Some mm-hmm. of them you just couldn't get away from, it. they just have a, a, a iconic sound, mm-hmm. and as soon as you hear it, you know it, like when Patty LaBelle was on there, the Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight, Chaka yeah. Khan, people like that were on there. It's like, you know, <laughs> If you don't know, know that voice, then you ain't been listening to music for the last 10, 15 years, period. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, that was, you know, that was a lot of fun. I did I think six seasons. I started season two and um, ended at season eight. I believe. Okay. Either seven or eight, I can't remember. It was so many, they started running together. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I did that, and I was uh, also one of the vocal coaches for season two of The Four, the show that Diddy had. Oh, I
0: forgot about that,
1: yeah.
2: Making Trainer and DJ Khaled.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Fergie Ferg. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I did that. And a lot of that stuff, I have to give a big, big shout-out to Adam Blackstone, because he's he's the reason that I'm, you know, even I think sought after to do those shows because he he pulled me in on the four, and as as well put me in on uh, Matt Singer because he was the the MD for the first two seasons. So yeah, I didn't
1: know that. Work. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I think that it's probably safe to say that. Your longevity at this point has been in part due to your willingness to play a lot of different
2: roles. I think I think I I do that well, but at the same time, you know, I have a I have a standard too, like, the, yeah, no, you're not gonna hire me
1: mm-hmm.
2: for this because you saw me on that. You know, I you know I try to be as pliable as possible kind of like like ublek. if anybody knows what that is it's this material that if you if you squeeze it it's it's hard you can't squeeze it but if you let it just relax your hand it'll it'll run like it's a liquid so i Mm -hmm. try to beat that um in most situations and and it's worked out for me so far i'm not i'm not i don't go in there trying to knock them over the head with with my my feet or, or say nah, if I can't, if you can't give me this. I can't do it. Like I like, I try to work with people as much as I can, and unless it's just insulting. <laughs> um, well, I was going
0: to ask when we were talking about, you know, vocal producing. Had when do you decline when someone says, "I I need I need Eric Dawkins on this. I want him. I want. I'm very specific that I want Eric Dawkins to come work with me on this song. When do you decline?
2: Um, it's, it varies. It varies. Cause there have been, there have been situations where I, I really believed in the artist and wanted to be a part of like the, the grassroots or the ground floor of, of this artist development. So I'll do it for time less, but I'm very clear when I do that, you know, there's certain other things that I negotiate you know, as part of, you know, my, my agreement. Um, but at the same time, I let him know this is not, this ain't what I do this for, just so you know. Don't go around here saying, oh, he, I got him for this much. Just have him, no, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but I'm but, very but, clear.
0: But vocally, is there is there any time where someone vocally you felt like you just could not
2: yep. coach or produce? Yep. And I've actually, left sessions before because I was like, yeah, this is not this ain't going to serve me and it's more work than what it's worth. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I've left a few sessions because of that or decided not to go back or told the people that I was working with, like, do realize that this person is tone deaf. I don't know if you're trying to get me to perform a miracle or... (laughs) You hearing something that I'm not hearing, but they're tone deaf. Like, why? How did they even get this deal? Like, who who's doing the signing? Like I've, I've had to have those conversations. Like, who, was, nah. who was
0: gassing them? Yeah.
2: Like, where mm-hmm. did that come from? So,
1: you know.
0: Well, you're Eric Dawkins. You can do all things. Mm-hmm. The greatness, the, the greatness, the small, the greatness, small things. <laughs> <laughs> Shout, out
1: uh, Shout out to
0: Kirk. Shout to Kirk. I'm talking about all things. The great and the small things. Just... <laughs> um. So when you... Well, I don't know. Let, let me go back to thinking about Dawkins and Dawkins and what you guys did for music as far as Blazing a Trail. Um, I think that you've been fortunate to be able to do that twice because not only did you do that with Dawkins and Dawkins, you also did that. With the underdogs, um, if we go back to the underdogs era, if you will, or the the, the underdogs golden era age mm-hmm. phase, um, we think about the influence not not only just the songs that underdogs did, but the songs that came out around the time that sounded like underdog songs. Um, mm-hmm. You guys were extremely influential to R and B, you know, um, late nineties until the early two thousands um do you do you feel like it was as impactful as it was and do you feel like since then um the direction that r&b music has taken has been um, a good direction or has it veered off of a a different path than the ones that you guys were kind of
2: leading it's definitely veered off definitely veered off and it's um it's kind of it's kind of sad because it, it's a lot of there's not a lot of individuality in in R&B now um, yeah. of course there's some artists that are trying to make trying to keep the integrity of R&B um but there are a lot of them that just sound like every other artist R&B artist that comes out and it's it's kind of it's kind of sad You know, that there's not as much creativity as there was back when we were doing it. Because when an underdog song came on, you would know it was underdogs.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You wouldn't mistake it for, you know, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, Babyface, um, Teddy Riley. You wouldn't mistake it for anybody but the underdogs. Mm -hmm. Um, And along with that came, you know, the ones that tried to emulate the sound, which was, you know, flattering. You know, mm-hmm. at the Same time, but people started getting into this thing of, I need to do what's, I need to do what what I hear on the radio already, in order to fit in, mm-hmm. and that's I think that goes against the whole model of, of creativity. Like, why create something that's already there? Because at some point, if everybody was the same thing, then somebody's not needed. Right. You know, at some point, you're gonna not. You're, you're not useful to me. Like, Get out of here.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so, I think the influence that we had, you know, it lasted for, lasted for a while, and it's, I've heard some of it like come, come back, um, but it's very, it's sprinkled. Like it's not, it's not as much as it it should be. I think mm-hmm. Some of us, got, we've had conversations. Some of us music heads have had conversations about trying to create a movement where some of that real R&B comes back. You know, so we're we're working on it. Trying. Please.
0: That's my personal request. Um, (laughs) But uh, do you feel like you would, if, if they replicated or just even created just a new beginning for the underdogs, would you be a part of that?
2: Um have to be several conversations before, mm-hmm. before I would just say yes i mean we we actually did we came back together for actually it was chris Brown's idea um for the um fame and fortune the the projects he put out we ended up getting on i think fame mm-hmm. um but he said he wanted a he wanted an underdog song he didn't want just want to work with Harvey. He didn't want to work with Damon, he wanted to work with the underdogs. So they had to end up getting back together in order to force to work on that project. And we tried it we tried it out for it lasted for almost almost three years, I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He we had a, a cool, cool run doing some other stuff and it kind of morphed more into them doing more film and TV stuff, which is what Harvey still does now. He's doing it well aside from being the president of the, uh, the Academy. Grammys. Um, he still does a lot of TV and film, and I still do a lot of TV and film stuff with him. Um uh but it just kind of kinda went into that and you know they Damon and Harvey couldn't couldn't get it get it right, so they ended up splitting mm-hmm. again.
1: Again. <laughs>
2: yeah. But they we tried to come back together. This it's just I think guys have fellas have grown to a point where it, it couldn't be the same thing. We wouldn't be coming back under the same um, under the same contracts or, or agreements or anything. It, it had to be more of a partnership type situation. And that's actually how I went back, you know, having that conversation with them. And then, then they were treating me more like a partner, you know, then they just I to work for hire type. Right. Um, so, like I said, it worked out for a little while and then it was just kind of fizzled again um, but it would i mean in theory it would be it would be nice to see something nice. like that
1: mm-hmm. and i
2: think it would i think we could absolutely create a a movement that would cause people to like start doing real r and b again um, but that's in a that's in a perfect
1: world
0: right. And yeah. I, I probably should have started that with, for the people that don't know the underdogs or who the underdogs um, are or were um, at the time that we're speaking about, uh, I'm going to try and name them and you let me know if I leave anybody out. Harvey Mason mm-hmm. Jr., <laughs> Damon mm-hmm. Thomas,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Eric Dawkins,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: Tony Dixon,
1: mm-hmm. uh, Tank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Russell.
0: I, I was almost said st- Got it. So-
1: Pause
2: for a second. Pause
1: Yes. <laughs> she said, "I'm cute." She's the Yes, I'm a husband and a father.
0: <laughs> a very good husband and a father.
2: True. All right, true. <laughs> um,
0: so, the underdogs are really responsible for that sound um, of R and B. Uh, for a certain period that, that late 90s, um, early 2000s uh, sound and we we mentioned some of them that, that I said Eric has credits with like Tyrese's How You Gonna Act Like That Um first R&B,
2: first b song that I wrote <gasps> um, that's crazy
0: shut up Eric Dawkins, yeah. get out, go to the corner because you're out of control
2: that- and that, that's really what made the underdog say that they wanted me to be a part of the, the, the team.
0: Of course. So make sure I insert some air horns in there.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because that is insane. So you you really kicked in the door like that into the R and
2: guess if that's the way you want it
0: That's the way it, it is. Okay. Take All it. Right. Okay, thank All you. Right. <laughs> Mr. Humility, we get it. Yes, you kicked in the door. We'll tell you to act like that. That song still goes. Listen,
2: um, I still see it heavy on on my uh, royalty statements.
1: Yeah, right.
2: And, and I'm looking like this song will not die. It's not. It's not going 20 to. Twenty years old. Yeah, it's twenty years old. It came out in, in, in two thousand one, two thousand two. Don't matter. We love it. I
0: still play it like it's new. I'm part of your royalty checks. You welcome. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I, I play
0: that song at least a few times a week.
2: <laughs> Listen, and it gets it gets sampled, and people will take lines from it or do an interpolation of it. So I keep you know keep having to to sign off on licensing or or, or clearances and stuff for it.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm.
2: So, Gift that keeps on giving.
1: Yep,
0: that's gonna keep going too. Uh, what is your? I, I'm not gonna ask you to give away your cheat code or your secret sauce, or Stop you there. know. But for I, I was just born this way. I'm so I, it's Just Eric. How does it feel to wake up in the morning, Eric Dawkins, and greatness just falls out?
2: You, you know. No. <laughs> I step out of the bed and my feet hurt. Cause I'm <laughs> I'm getting old. It's, it's, it's a lot. Some, you know, these people could walk a mile in my shoes and they would see. So their, their, their feet hurt too?
0: Their
2: feet would hurt.
1: Fab. A lot of walking.
0: What, what is your approach to songwriting? Like when you have a song and something comes to you, um, is it, does a melody hit you first? Do lyrics hit you first? Uh, or does it happen both ways?
2: It varies. It mm-hmm. varies. Most of the time, there'll be a track that that kind of speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like, I probably over the last
1: six, seven years, easily, I haven't, I don't write stuff down.
2: I end up having to transcribe it after I record it because I'll get ideas and I'll just, I'll sing like kind of freestyle stuff. And normally the first line I sing is the first line of the song. Like it, it, it never changes. It's that's what sets the, the tempo or sets the the, uh, the tone for the song. And i build from that, like, I might not even know what the title is going to be, it just a thump pops in my head and I'll sing it. And um, the most that'll change would be like the melody of it. Like if I don't particularly care for the melody, or if I can think of something I like better. Um, But lyrically, it generally is the first line. So songs like "How You Gonna Act Like That," the the first line before we even got to the hook.
1: It seemed like just the other day that we hooked up,
2: and it just developed from there. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So any song that you know that I've written, that first line is really where everything kind of kind of Mm -hmm. developed from. Yeah.
0: You actually tell them the story.
2: Yeah. It's a conversation. I have I think you I probably I think I taught it in in our class in the class that we had the map. Um ICE. Like um that's the acronym I use Mm-hmm. For, for um, for writing, imagination, conversation, experience—those are the th- the three things that I write from. Yeah, um, experience probably being the the most the most prevalent one in that group. Um, imagination, not so much, but I can like I can draw from like I guess. Conj- conjure something up that I've never experienced, but I I'm more so like conversations and experience are the, the best songwriters.
0: Um I didn't necessarily take your class at first. Um I was in the, I was in the other class. class.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: But listen, listen <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. See I was about to say something really nice Credit you with something. Yeah, so, it's
2: too late. I'm the reason that you came over to my class.
0: You are. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, you don't, you're how I found out about the class. Because you told me and I came through. I just, I couldn't do both. I, and at the time, I was an artist manager looking for education on the business side of things. And so that's how I decided which class I was going to take. However, comma. At the end, <laughs> we had... Uh, a graduation as we were going to call it uh, in LA and Mm -hmm. I remember talking to you about it because at some point the the concept of the graduation turned into a songwriter's boot camp Mm -hmm. and I said to myself and I was like well I'm not a songwriter I wasn't in the songwriter's class I so I mean I I'm not opposed to going even though even though I was a little hesitant it was like just in like covid was just starting to kind of like well i don't even know it wasn't really slowing down necessarily so to speak because this was like labor day weekend 2020 so we're like in the heart of it actually truth be told so i didn't know if i was gonna make the trip or if i didn't but something told me that this was an opportunity i did not want to pass up on um carly get your life together we go to la um but i remember texting eric and i was like well what am i gonna do while everyone's like songwriting am i gonna go sightseeing am i gonna go shopping (laughs) and eric replied you're gonna write a song and i Mm -hmm. said what i said what he said you're gonna write a song so i was like okay well big brother has spoken um i guess i'm going to la and i'm gonna go write a song and let me say it changed my entire perspective
2: on what it was was fun
0: it was fun. It was fun. And I'm a creative part. I'm a creative person. I'm a musical person. I like to write. Um I you know, I just never thought to marry the, you know, the things. All the mar- you know, marry all the things together. But being in mm-hmm. that space with other creatives that, you know, did love to do that, um and wanted to create something together was such an amazing experience and like since then I've been writing things left and right. So see what happens. So thank mm-hmm. you, Eric. See see thank you, Eric Dawkins. <laughs> You will <laughs> see, cause I, cause I, you know, but you want to talk about me, cause I didn't, I didn't take your class. Sorry. But, but I did learn thereafter. We, we still had the mentorship, you know. I got to, you know, learn from you then too. So you you it's were. all good. You know, I'll never forget one. We had an assignment, and I turned, you know, my assignment, and we were playing them during class. And um the feedback you gave me on one of them was, I think, melodically, you said it was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And he's and he
1: <laughs> Well gee.
0: That sounds like something you would say. Um, definitely and then but he but you said, but you sound cute though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: and
0: I was Listen, like
1: stabbed. I have, uh, I have
2: uh I have a commitment to tell <laughs> people the truth.
0: Yes, and that you do.
2: You know, you do. I can't, it, it took some time for me to get to that point because, you know, sometimes I didn't want to hurt people's feelings, but I I realized that I wasn't doing them any favors by not telling the truth. Right, right. Maybe in the moment, but the next person that they get to might not be that same. Let me, let me, let me package this up nice and give it to them. And they'd be like, why are you here? You suck. Because <laughs> I know people like, that are no, like that. They don't care about your yeah. right. like yeah. you, you just wasted three minutes of my time. But I can't like, get, I can't back. get it back. I can't like, get that back. I, I take my time very seriously. So I I had to get to that point. I'm not I'm not abrasive or, or yeah. rude like that, but I No, that's true. Am definitely honest. Wow.
0: Eric's Eric's definitely I can I can attest to all that Eric is definitely very honest, but Eric's nice. He's you know he's not gonna rip your dreams to shreds.
2: No, um, but um, he's gonna I, give you the truth. Redirect your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> this is not really the area for you to be focusing on. Um,
0: well, I'm glad I never had that conversation because that. That's a whole. That's a different conversation. Yeah,
2: no, I, I have to have conversations over.
0: Yeah, because there, yeah. there was there was one time even we had a, I had someone else record a demo that I had created for an assignment, and the assignment was to create something like in the style of Chris Brown. So in my head, I was just like, well, I'm just gonna get someone who can sing like Chris Brown to sing the demo, and I went to introduce the song, we we're gonna play it, and I said, well, you know, so I grabbed my friend because it's Chris Brown, and you know, I can't sing like Chris Brown. First thing Eric said, well, well, did you try? Hmm. And it's like I heard the brakes screech in my mind. <laughs> like, I had actually never thought about even trying. I was like, I this is Chris, why am I gonna let me go get someone that sings like Chris? Um so so Eric has done that to me a couple of times. A few times. Um but each and time
1: still here
0: I'm still here and we're still friends. I haven't, you know, wrote him off just yet, you know, but, <laughs> but no, but each time has been beneficial each time, even though it's, it's kind of like he drops these little just thoughts in your mind and keeps going. Like you, we don't sit there and like, he just kind of just leaves you with that thought and then goes it's what it's always been. So I don't always circle back to you later to say thanks, but here's my so, one big thanks for all that. Thanks.
1: It's okay. It's okay. I, do, I do it for the love. Okay for <laughs> some people I would trying for it. Consulting
2: fee.
0: well, I'm working on something right now i'll I'll send it to you later when it's are aware, done.
2: Are you aware of my feet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to I've sometimes wondered how to tell people that kind of don't know I charge for things oh, I charge I for
1: things that's, that's a that's great
0: a, way to say that yeah I'm taking you know,
2: that they can take it they can take it as an arrogant like like why would you ask me this? Like, no no that's just a real question like are you aware of my fee you're asking me for a service but you haven't asked me what my fee is so you want me to answer the question that yes i will help you before asking ask what the fee is you're not gonna do that it's like right. going to a car dealership and and getting in a car without looking at the sticker price first You're not even gonna get in that car if that's if it's a budget, out of your budget like right. why are you 'Cause why? What do I to do? Why would it myself?
1: I'll torture yeah. yourself like that, like <laughs> on
2: so that on that car with the sticker price that you must look at before you get in.
0: Facts. Now if you didn't know, now y'all know. <clears throat> Anyways, Eric Dawkins. I've enjoyed this interview. We you because know, I was just like, Man, Eric, I just interviewed Tiffany. It was like my favorite interview, and he was like, Because you this haven't interviewed interview-
2: me yet. Yeah. <laughs> I love Tiffany. Tiffany's she's...
0: Intrigate. For oh, me, that's the homie. Yeah. Shout out to Tiffany. Tiffany now Freeman. I can't call her Tiffany Stevenson. She's
1: Tiffany now Freeman. <laughs> Freeman. <laughs> 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 you been free. Um, but
0: uh, you were gonna do this interview whether you knew it or not because I was. I told somebody I was like, I will. I will fight Eric next time I see him if he don't do this interview. Ooh. <laughs> How would he decline this? And and I say, I, I was talking to Eric on one of his lives, and this was like years ago, before I even relaunched the new season, or even thought about relaunching the new season. I think I had probably just recently finished the last season, I guess, so... I don't know, 2019 maybe it was or somewhere around there and I asked Eric mm-hmm. on his live if he would do my, do my podcast because like, got, I got an interview on my podcast and he said, he said he would do it and you know what I did thereafter? I screenshot that video <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did a screen record and I was like, I'm going to save this for later he don't know it but I and I'm probably still got it somewhere, I don't know where it is but I I'm like, just in case I need mm-hmm. some I need some stuff.
2: Wife said I was cute when she walked in. Did
0: she did. She did. Did that make you feel good? Yeah. Shout out to Tiff. He's still smiling. Look at him. <laughs> That's good because yeah. y'all been married how long?
1: We're coming
2: up on eleven years next month.
0: Eleven years and he still blush when she come in yeah. and say you look cute
1: today. Look at that. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Make sure we're she gets a so copy of this. This video.
2: I literally just put it on for this. Like, I'm like, no,
0: nobody saw this yet. I'm putting this
2: no, on tomorrow. <laughs> I ain't been outside the house with this. So,
0: well, we, we appreciate it. But thank you. I don't, but I don't want to leave the interview with not giving you opportunity to share whatever it is on your heart to share. Anything you want to get off your chest. Um, because I do this for y'all. Um, I want to make sure you. Ooh, that's a good question
2: is just stuff that i don't want to say if it ain't gonna okay you know, i got you it for
0: it'll be in the month of september is that close yeah. enough
2: yeah. i will say this <laughs> it's my birthday because it was september 12th so you can tell me happy birthday anyway
0: happy birthday eric
2: <laughs> but no um, so yeah. some people know uh, I'm not
0: a, I'm not a horrible friend. Today it's actually September fourth, so yes. I have not missed Eric's birthday. No. <laughs> I just want to make sure I clear that up.
2: <laughs> no. this is for the ones that will hear this after. Yes, <laughs> you to edit all this out. <laughs> yeah. um, Dawkins and Dawkins is working on our 30 year anniversary project because this year marks. Thirty years since our first project came out. So um, prayerfully, in twenty twenty four, we will be releasing new material.
1: Yes, yes. Um.
2: Yeah. So we're working on it now. There'll be some new Christmas stuff coming out this this year as well. We're working on yes, a couple of new songs to um, put on the, the existing Christmas album. So you know you can re release that Christmas thing every year. Every year but ask if you put a couple of things Marianne on
0: it
2: uh, listen that song <laughs> is the most popular Christmas song ever ever for ever. the last 15 years it has gone number one around Christmas mm-hmm. number one
1: mm-hmm. no and questions so, asked. we know it's like coming
2: a, sells like a million copies every year
1: Yeah,
0: she ain't gotta do nothing else if she don't want to yeah. ever yeah. in life
2: just based off of that. Yep. Anyway, but yeah, we're doing some new, some new music, and I'm um, working on several new artists. Um, we're nominated for for Dove Award with the Walls Group for "I Need You." Yeah. Uh, one of the songs I wrote for them. With
0: Congratulations them. on your nomination.
2: So yeah, we're, um, you know, just doing doing whatever comes doing across. Whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. okay that's dope i'm excited i'm excited for new music i'll be um sharing that of course when it when it drops because it will drop i'm gonna put into existence 2024 yep. and christmas too because i love Christ- christmas christmas like my favorite time of year so i love introducing yep. people to new christmas music because i get tired of hearing the same <laughs> christmas songs yes
1: <laughs>
0: yeah they did that too go look that up doc in the doc yep.
1: <laughs> True. True.
0: Shameless plug.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. Well, where can the people follow you, Eric Dawkins, if they're looking for you on social media?
2: At E Dawkins at on e Dawkins. Instagram and at E Dawkins on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, Facebook, just Eric Dawkins. And, uh, of course, the Dawkins and Dawkins pages as well. Um, but, yeah. chat yeah. in with your boy, See what's happening. There's some stuff that we had.
0: Okay. You know I'm going to know because I'm going to have him tell me. I need the
1: exclusive. I I'm so. to start an
2: too.
0: Yes, you should. Absolutely. Let me,
2: Let me know. Let me know
0: if you need help getting that off the ground.
2: Well, there might be some pictures on there. Yeah, me without my shirt on.
0: Oh, e Eric Dawkins up there chest Whoa! naked. We gonna get some. No. We Yeah, gonna...
2: it's Eric. Oh, N- Eric Deon.
0: Deon. It's not Eric Dawkins. Eric D. Eric... About to be chest naked. We gonna <laughs> we we gonna call Tank get some tips. We gonna call Tank. tips, <laughs> ah, All right, back. all right. That's, that's my dude.
2: That's all my right,
0: we gonna we gonna see
2: we in the gym as we speak.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. I'll make sure Tish keep an eye out for that, too.
2: Um, See <laughs> <she's done. laughs> y'all over
0: it. Y'all. Follow Support the Dope Radio. We are on Instagram at Support the Dope. We are on Facebook. As support the dope radio you can go to the website of course it's support the dope radio.com um, make sure you tell a friend make sure you share it it's the only way that we're gonna grow i say we like it's i got a team but it's just me right now just me mm-hmm. so if <laughs> so if you enjoy this podcast make sure you share it out tell a friend um and support it's on po- pretty much anywhere where you get your podcast: apple spotify um pandora um google um Amazon. We out here basically. So there's no excuse <laughs> for you to not be able to listen to it. So make sure you tune in, keep it locked. i have another episode coming for you guys uh in a couple of weeks or so. Um so yeah, make sure you support and not just support me, support these guests because they are the people out here that are are creating the magic behind the scenes of some of your favorite artists, some of your favorite songs. So remember their name, like I say in my theme song. Um that's it. That's all for me. So say goodbye, Eric Dawkins. <laughs> My guest, Eric Dawkins. Goodbye, <laughs> Eric Dawkins. <laughs> I'm your CB, go a.k.a. Body Roll <laughs>